Second Chronicles chapter 1. Now we're into a new book of the Bible, but if we were um, reading this um, 2,000 years ago or 2,200 years ago, um, just before Jesus was born, this would have been one book of the Bible. It would have been just the book of Chronicles. So even though we're changing to a new book now, we're really still in the same book. So let's read. Solomon, the son of David, was firmly established in his kingdom, and Yahweh his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, to the judges and to every prince in all Israel, the heads of the father's households. So Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for God's tent of meeting was there, which Yahweh's servant Moses had made in the wilderness. But David brought God's ark up from Kiriath-Jerim to the place that David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Moreover, the bronze altar that Bezalel the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made was there, before Yahweh's tabernacle, and Solomon and the assembly were seeking counsel there. Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before Yahweh, which was at the tent of meeting, and offered 1,000 burnt offerings on it. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon said to God, You have shown great loving kindness to David my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Yahweh God, let your promise to David my father be established, for you have made me king over a, mul over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked riches, wealth, honour, or the life of those who hate you, nor yet have you asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge is granted to you. I will give you riches, wealth, and honour, such as none of the kings who have had before you, and none after you will have. So Solomon came from the high place that was at Gibeon, from before the tent of meeting to Jerusalem, and he reigned over Israel. Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen that he placed in the chariot cities with the king at Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold to be as common as stones in Jerusalem, and he made cedars to be as common as the sycamore trees that are in the lowland. The horses which Solomon had were brought out of Egypt and from Kew. The king's merchants purchased them from Kew. They brought up and brought out of Egypt for a chariot, a chariot for 600 pieces of silver and a horse for 150. They also exported them to the Hittite kings and the Syrian kings. So because we're in Chronicles, we're now going over many of the same things that happened in um, the book of Kings. And, um, but a lot of things are left out. Um, this is in some ways much more condensed and some other things are added in. In this chapter, not much has been added in at all. <laughs> and, um, but it, it does cut, it just jumps. Like, for example, when we were doing this story in the book of Kings, you know, Solomon asked for wisdom. 
And then the next thing that happened was a demonstration of the wisdom and there was a story of the two prostitutes that had two babies and one died and Solomon, that whole story of how Solomon's wisdom was demonstrated. If you missed that chapter, you can go back to the early couple of chapters of 2 Kings. And, um, but here, he just, it just says, the Lord gave him wisdom and it moves on. It doesn't give an example of it. And so this is just showing you how some things are just much more condensed. And, um, but there are also things added in as we go through the book of Chronicles. And some of the stories are told in a different order for theological reasons. Now, at the start of this chapter, it started out by saying that Solomon, it said that David had pitched a tent in Jerusalem. That was called David's tent. But then it said that Solomon went up to the tabernacle that was at Gibeon. So there's actually two tents. And we talked about this, uh, we've talked about this a few times before, but way back in the book of Exodus and Leviticus, when the tabernacle was first being built, that was the first, that was the tent of God or the tabernacle of God. It was called the tent of meeting. Way back then, there were two tents as well. There was a tent where Moses used to just go in and talk to God, but there was also the tabernacle. Well, now there's two tents again for the second time. And so you've got the tabernacle, now the tabernacle was supposed to have the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle, but it doesn't. Um, going back in history to around about 1 Samuel chapter 4, the whole thing, the tabernacle with the Ark of the Covenant in it was all set up at a town called Shiloh and the Philistines attacked and they took the Ark of the Covenant out of the tabernacle and they took it to the battle, but the Philistines captured the Ark and took it away to the land of the Philistines. And it came back from the land of Philistines seven months later. Then it lived in a, in a, in a region of um, Jerusalem for about 20 years. And eventually David brought it up to Jerusalem. But in the intervening period, the, ark, the tabernacle where the ark used to live was moved to Gibeon because the town where it was in Shiloh was completely destroyed by the Philistines. So now we've got this interesting situation where when David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, which we covered in 1 Chronicles, he didn't take it to where the tabernacle was, which was in Gibeon. He took it to where he was, in Jerusalem. He wanted, and basically what he wanted was God's presence with him. And <laughs> which is what you should want and what I should want. We should just want God's presence with us. So we get to this position now in history and in the Bible where there are two tents. Again, just like way back, and I, I remembered saying to you that one tent was the tent of law and one was the tent of grace, way back in the old in uh, the book of Exodus and Leviticus. It was a picture that you could meet with God, you could have God's presence by grace and faith. And that's what Moses did. Moses used to go into the tent and just talk to God face to face. It was all grace. Um, well, it's the same thing here with David. David has this tent that he set up and he brought the ark to it. And David would go in and see, talk to God uh, face to face, I guess, except David couldn't see God's face. But he would go into the presence of God and he would pray and worship and sing. And, but in this chapter, um, Solomon goes to the official place at Gibeon. And the reason he goes there is because he offers a thousand sacrifices. So that's where the official sacrificial system used to take place. So Solomon isn't going to do that in Jerusalem because he's going to use the established method of offering sacrifices, which isn't there. It's at the other place. So the other place has no ark, but that's where the priests and everything are. So Solomon goes there, and it's after making such a big sacrifice that the Lord appears to him in a dream. Now, this isn't 
a, a random thing, you might say, oh, the Lord was so impressed by his 1,000 sacrifices, uh, which he didn't personally offer either. The way that it's worded, it sounds like he personally offered the 1,000 sacrifices. But no, what would happen is you would bring the sacrifice, but the priest would do the sacrificing. So the priest does the physical act of making the sacrifice, but Solomon still made the sacrifices. And so we might think that, oh, because he gave so much to God, he kind of like, God's response to him was kind of like a purchased, you could say. Or, you know, some people say, they talk about the prosperity gospel and they say, oh, if you want to receive, you've got to give. And it's almost like a, a, um, a thing that doesn't have grace in it at all. I found in my life that there are times that I give um, where I don't seem to receive, and there are times I receive so much from the Lord without having given, and I know that it's all grace. It's all grace. The Lord wants us to walk with Him and to be generous and to be giving, to make sacrifices like Solomon does. We're not doing it because we want to receive something, but we have faith. When we make this, we have faith knowing that our God just blesses us and he can bless us whether we've given or not. And so I've always got this faith to say, Lord, bless me. I know I don't deserve it. Maybe I haven't even given a huge gift lately, but God doesn't need that. <laughs> but there's other times you give a huge gift and you're not giving it so that you can get, well, maybe, maybe you are, but um, you're giving it because you love the Lord and the Lord wants you to give it, or maybe this is an important need and it's on your heart, you, you want to help. So there's, we give because we want to give and we receive by faith through grace. And sure, you, you do sow and you do reap and that's a spiritual reality, but I think it's more in life in general. If you're a generous person in general, the Lord's generous with you, but also a person of faith and grace. So anyway, Solomon doesn't give these gifts to the Lord so that he can get the Lord to say this to him. That's not what he does. Solomon gives these gifts to the Lord because, uh, we've got to read between the lines a bit here, but he's just become the king of a whole new kingdom. <laughs> and I think he wanted, I think in his heart, he wanted to do what was, what was the right thing by the Lord. He wanted to serve the Lord. And, um, and the Lord responds to the heart. And we find out that it was the heart later on in this passage. So God comes to him in a dream and God says, ask me for whatever you want. And Solomon tells him wisdom and understanding. We, we get the full account of it back in 2 Kings. And Solomon asks him for wisdom and understanding. And I found that so fascinating, not what he asked for, but the fact that it all happened in a dream. And because in a dream, it's almost like um, your, your choices uh, can be outside of your control. And what just comes out is, um, most of the time it seems, just naturally who you are. So dreams can be a revelation of what you're like. And um, so you can analyze, you know, they, they talk about analyzing your dreams as a revelation of the type of person that you are, but it's also a revelation of God to you. And we'll talk more about dreams in some other chapter, Possibly when we get to the book of Job in chapter 35, we'll talk about dreams and visions because it's, it's mentioned there. But dreams come from the Lord. Sometimes dreams are him speaking directly, like is in this case. Mostly dreams are symbolic and they need interpreting. And, um, but dreams are often also a revelation of the type of person that you are. And so what's interesting here is that God speaks directly to Solomon, but Solomon's response to God is almost like a revelation of what he just naturally wants.
So I, I remember when, when uh, we were discussing this story when I was a child, and my dad said to me, he said, what would you ask God for if you could ask for anything? And I said, oh, wisdom. Because <laughs> what I was thinking was, I, I knew this story of Solomon, and I thought, what I really want is all this cool stuff. But I know if I ask for wisdom, I'll get the cool stuff. So I was thinking that asking for wisdom is the right thing to do so that you can get what you want, but God can get what, you know, you, it's kind of like you think you're tricking God. <laughs> She's like, oh, I really want, you know, to be wealthy and to be well off and to be healthy and to have fun. I want to be happy. So I'll say wisdom and understanding. So God will give me all the things I want. <laughs> well, if you do that, it won't work because... Um, God knows what's in your heart. And in this chapter, God says to Solomon, he says, because this was in your heart, I will give this to you and all those other things. So it turns out that what Solomon really wanted, he actually wanted wisdom and understanding. That's what he wanted from God. He wasn't, he wasn't thinking, oh, what's the right thing to say to God? No, he actually asked for what he knew he needed. And the reason he knew he needed it was because he'd just become the king and he wanted to do a good job ruling over these people and he said i'm just a child we get that from second king's account he says lord he's basically saying lord help me i want to do a good job with looking after your people i need to understand how to do it give me wisdom and the lord said man i like your heart here have that and have all this other stuff as well so you can't trick the lord with an answer like give me wisdom so that you can get other things but what we need to do is develop a genuine love for wisdom. And that's what the book of Proverbs says. If you, when we get to Proverbs later, we're gonna read so many times it will say, seek wisdom. You know, wisdom is better than wealth. And it says lots of things. Well, it's true advice. It's not telling you to seek one so you can get the other. It's telling you to seek the one. So some people think to themselves, oh, I wish I was Solomon. I wish God said that to me. Well, he did. <laughs> He said it to every believer in Matthew 7, verse 7. He said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So our job is to, we can go to the Lord and we can say, Lord, I really want wisdom and understanding. Would you give that to me? And he will do that. So I think the key for us is to examine the heart. What do we really want? And then we, if, if we look at our hearts and we notice we want things that are not good, <laughs> Then we ask the Lord to clear it up. He said, Lord, help me. I don't, want, I don't want things that are not pleasing to you. Now, it may be that there's sin, sin or temptation. There's things in your heart. You say, Lord, can you remove them from me? Help me. But then there are things you know you want, but you don't want them. So you say, Lord, I want to be a man that loves wisdom. I want to be a woman that seeks righteousness. So you identify the things that your heart should go after, and you start praying for those, and you'll find that the Lord will change your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for 2 Chronicles 1, and we ask you to bless its words and its, its truth to our hearts. Lord, let our hearts seek after you and be full of a love for the Saviour. In Jesus' name, amen.